Good morning. Today is Thursday, February 10th, 2022. Have you ever made falafel from scratch? So I love falafel and I had never made it myself until a few years ago, we ran a program here at Adath for Teens and it was a program about Israel. And the way we designed this event, this program, is that I was going to teach them how to make falafel from scratch. No mixes, no takeout from the store. Uh, from scratch, we were gonna do it and we were gonna do it together and, and make it and, and cook it and make it and put it together all together, and then we would eat it together along with discussions of Israel and some other things that were going on. So, in preparation for that uh, program, I had never made falafel before, but how hard could it be? In Israel, in every street corner, they're making falafel. How hard could it be? So, I gathered a few recipes. I bought all the ingredients. And I started to practice at home to make sure that I knew the steps, that I would know how it worked, so that I could do it and demonstrate it and teach these uh, teenagers. Well, to make the hummus was no problem. Thank God I know how to make hummus very, very well. Trina is no problem. I know how to do that very well. The salad, no problem. The other uh, uh, condiments, no problem. And then I started with the falafel balls and I could not do it. It was not working. And I tried this trick. I tried that suggestion. I called this person. I called that person. Nothing worked. And the balls kept falling apart as they cooked into mush. It was getting late at night. I was frantic. And I'm not proud to admit this, but my kitchen was a disaster. Every pot, every utensil was dirty, out, every surface of the kitchen was covered, oil had splattered, food was on the floor, and I was really, I was, I was frustrated, I was upset, I was disappointed, I could not get this done, but something within me, and maybe a therapist would be able to give me some insight, but I just, I couldn't let go, I couldn't give it up, I just... I kept trying this idea and that idea, but nothing helped. So finally, I went to sleep that night, which was no longer that night. It was quite early in the morning. Defeated. And I knew I was going to be in big trouble because, first of all, I hadn't figured out how to do this, and I had the program the next night. And second of all, I knew 
that as soon as my wife woke up and saw what I had done in the kitchen, I would be moving into the garage for some amount of time. But the next day, I learned the secret. And I learned this secret just in time for the event. I figured out how to do it. And the falafel was spectacular. Now, I have not made falafel since because I love my wife and I value my marriage just a little bit more than I love falafel. And it's either or at this point. <laughs> my wife will not let that happen again. And she has good reason not to. But the experience taught me a very important lesson. Well, of course, I learned very well the lesson that I have to clean the kitchen when I cook. That I learned. But besides that, a very important life lesson. It is an incredible feeling. Since Monday, I have had this to reopen our shul, to be able to pray at a death, as other places are now, with a minion. And I hope that one of the positive effects of the terrible challenges and difficulties of COVID will be that I do not take for granted the privilege to be able to daven with a minion, the, the privilege, the honor to be able to answer Amen to someone else's bracha, to answer Yehesh Me Rabbah, to say Kedusha, those prayers that require a minion, I hope never to take it for granted because we shouldn't take it for granted. As we learn so painfully, it's not always available to us. And so I offer this message this morning in honor of this Shabbos coming which will be our first Shabbos back in shul at Adath in six weeks. As a way of hopefully not taking for granted the beauty, the meaning, the spirituality that can really only be experienced in shul, together with others, in the most ideal form. Yazdegard the second was the ruler of Persia in the middle of the fifth century of the common era. And at that time, he persecuted Jews in Babylonia, where a large community of Jews were still living. But this kind of marked the decline of the Babylonian community, which had lasted for over a thousand years going strong, it started to decline. And it was exacerbated by these persecutions, among other minorities, 
he didn't single out only the Jews for persecution, but included them along with other minorities. And among the things that this Persian emperor would not allow Jews to do, and this was actually quite insightful of him, he would not allow Jews to say the prayer, Shema, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeim Hashem Echad, our assertion that God is one. He would not allow those prayers to be said publicly. And therefore, he came up with a deviously brilliant and effective persecution that really gets to the heart of who we are not to allow us to assert our belief in one God in public because he understood if we were somehow weaned away from believing in one God, it would be much easier for us to be subsumed into the pagan culture that surrounded us. And so he posted guards in synagogues. And the guards were not Jewish, but there was one line of Hebrew that they recognized, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, and they were there to make sure that in no synagogue, no Jews ever uttered those words out loud. So what Jews did is, starting from that time, came up with the following plan. Everybody knows that the Shema prayer is said relatively early within the Shabbat morning service. Once the service is coming to an end and people are starting to get ready for Kiddush and maybe some people are even folding up their talis and getting ready to go if they're going home a little bit early, the guards would leave because most of the service is over. The part where the Shema occurs has finished and the guards would leave. And that's when the Jews got the idea that in the reader's repetition of the Musaf, the Chazar Sashatz, the reader's repetition, which is close to the end of the service on Shabbat morning, they would insert the Shema. Even though that's not where it belongs technically, but because they had no choice, they were not able to say it at its correct time, they inserted it into the Kedusha of the reader's repetition of the Musaf, which is near the end of the service. And the guards were no longer there, so they wouldn't get into trouble. We today continue that practice. Any shul that you go to, with God's help, you should be able, if not this Shabbos, then soon when you're comfortable, when you're able to, to go to synagogue to pray on Shabbat morning. And in the Musaf, reader's repetition, we say the Kedusha and we add this line, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. And did you ever wonder yourself, 
What in the world is that line doing here? It's not thematically connected with anything that we're talking about at that point in the prayers. The reason is because over 1,500 years ago, it was prohibited for us to say the Shema in its correct place, and so we inserted it in this place where we could say it. But the question is, for the last 1,500 years, since the end of that empire, we've been free to say Shema whenever we want. We could say Shema 16 times a day. Nobody's coming into our synagogue today to tell us not to say Shema Yisrael. The reason for adding the line Shema Yisrael to the end of the davening, the Kedusha of Musaf, that reason has been over for 1,500 years. Why are we still doing it? Why do we still, every Shabbos, this Shabbos, if you go to Shul, in Musaf, in the Reader's Repetition, in the Kedusha, you're going to say the line, Shema Yisrael. Why are we doing it if the reason for it has not existed for over 1,500 years? Years. The answer is, or an answer, is that we retain this Shema, even though the reason for saying it here has not been relevant for over 1,500 years because it demonstrates the indomitable spirit of Jewish history. When faced with an impossible challenge, with no possible solution, there are guards there that will kill us, God forbid, if we say these words out loud, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem No solution, no way to do it. We don't give up. We find a solution. We find a way. Winston Churchill expressed this in a very different context. He was talking about the bleakest days of World War II. And his advice to the brave people of Britain at that time was, never give up. Never, never give up. Never, never, never give up. We have done that. We have done that in the past. We have done that throughout our history as Jews. And we do that today. We face challenges in every area of life. But this remains the crucial lesson of Jewish history. And for us, it is so relevant today with what we're going through today. And that is that no matter what the challenge, we have persevered in preserving physical life and in preserving our spiritual lives. No matter what the challenge, Unlike 
perhaps any other people on earth. And every Shabbos in the synagogue, we remind ourselves in order to be inspired by our history. Look what happened to us all those years ago and look how we managed to keep it going notwithstanding the difficulty that seemed impossible at the moment. The falafel story I told you, that's trivial. But when it's applied to the basis of emuna, of belief that the Jewish people is eternal, That's what we should recall when we say this Shema at the very end of davening. We should recall when it was instituted and why it was instituted, and we should be aware of our history and how we surmounted that apparently impossible challenge. And we should be inspired by our strength, the strength of our heritage, which has given us the ability to never, 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 never give up. Just by the way, the secret to making falafel is that you cannot use canned chickpeas. And you cannot use cooked chickpeas. You must use chickpeas that are only soaked overnight. And then when you grind them and add the other ingredients, they will stay together and they will be delicious. I promise you. My friends, I want you to have a great day. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.